0: Welcome to the Here and Now Motherhood podcast. Here and Now Motherhood is a nonprofit designed to support moms in their transition into motherhood. I'm your host, Nicole Hunt. Welcome to the Here and Now Motherhood podcast, everybody. So we're diving into a few different aspects of matrescence or the transition into motherhood. And this week, we're discussing how our status within the group changes. So we have a guest with us today, Hannah O'Hammel. She's going to be chatting with us. And I met Hannah in one of Here in Our Motherhood's yoga classes, and she's super awesome. She's also taught some classes with Here in Our Motherhood. So Hannah, would you mind introducing yourself?
1: Sure. Hi. Um, as Nicole said, my name is Hannah. I have two daughters, uh, Nancy, who is two, and Diana will be one at the end of the month. And um my partner and I, we teach Wing Chun Kung Fu and uh he has a small business in town and I'm a stay-at-home mom, have been um since I had Nancy two years ago. So um that's just me.
0: <laughs> awesome. Thanks. So um Hannah has a pretty amazing story about her transition into motherhood and like um Lots of stuff has happened in Hannah's life. So um, would you mind just kind of starting from the beginning um, of your motherhood journey, maybe even before your motherhood journey, of like what you thought of motherhood before you ever were ready to start having kids?
1: Oh, absolutely. So I remember in eighth grade health class, watching a baby being born. And I was also the oldest um, of four kids. And I thought, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm not having children. (laughs) That seems like a really horrible thing to do to yourself. I'm not doing that. Um, and I had that position until I was 25 and I had an ectopic pregnancy that I didn't know about. Um, I had an IUD placed and started having complications, followed up with the doctor and they missed it. And I ended up having an internal rupture and having emergency life-saving surgery. It was kind of traumatic, but um, something within me clicked. And I was like, oh my gosh, I definitely want children. Um, And that was a totally, just a complete switch from my previous position. (laughs) Um, But my uh, partner and I were engaged. We were going to be married later on that year. So we decided to wait. To have kids till you know after we were married and um, more established. Uh, so then in 2017, we decided that was the year we were going to try to have a family. And our first um, attempt, we got pregnant right away and we were very excited. And around eight weeks, I had a miscarriage. I did not know really what a miscarriage what the experience was like, no one had ever talked to me about it. I didn't know that it was essentially labor um, and that it was painful and that the recovery after a miscarriage could take a week or, or more like after you have a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I was unaware of, of all, everything that happened um, when you had a miscarriage physically. And then emotionally, of course, it was devastating because I had been, you know, wanting a family and children for years and we finally decided to start. And um, my husband has a complicated health history and I was down a fallopian tube, so we weren't quite sure (laughs) our odds. Um, But after a couple of months, we decided to to try again and we got pregnant with Nancy um, right away. We we, we were really lucky um, in that regard. And um, that, my first pregnancy, I guess to term pregnancy with Nancy, was a completely different experience than my second pregnancy with her sister, Diana. Uh, when Nancy was seven months old, I, surprise, got pregnant with Diana, despite um, multiple forms of birth control. And, um, so having experienced a planned versus unplanned pregnancy, um, were very different experiences of motherhood for me. Um, and then also going from, from one to two and having back to back pregnancies on your body, it is a lot to go through. And then, you know, as you mentioned, um, socially, it's, it's a really big impact. Um, not many people in our friend group had kids. And so it's, it's an adjustment um, there trying to navigate, you know, w- what is a social life after you have a baby or two.
0: Mm-hmm. Let, thank you for sharing that. I love like the big overarching theme, like sharing like the big picture of your story. And then we can kind of dig in a little bit to some of that. Um, let's talk a little bit more about your ectopic pregnancy if you're up for that. Um, how did you, I mean, like, how did you know at the beginning, like that something was wrong? Like what kind of symptoms were you seeing?
1: Yeah. So again, this is, I'm glad you're asking because I didn't know anyone who had an ectopic pregnancy. Um, and so I didn't really know what I was experiencing. Um, like I said, I had an IUD place and I had the typical, I think, pain and discomfort that happens with that. Um, and i Uh, The only difference was I continued to bleed. I never stopped bleeding after the placement. Um, And I called my doctor's office and they said, oh, that'll resolve itself. And I'm like, okay. And eventually the blood kind of turned brown and old. Um, And I'm like, well, that's just weird. So after about a month of that, I went back to the doctor. Um, And it wasn't just the, the bleeding. I had extreme fatigue. Um, as you do when you're in the early stages of pregnancy. It was a lot of those early pregnancy symptoms like my boobs hurt. I was really tired. I had weird cravings. Um, And then also I had um, digestive problems. So my husband has a history with Crohn's disease and he was like, oh, no, I think you, you have the, exactly what I had, I think, um, because I was constantly running to the bathroom. I would have bad stomach cramps. Um, I was really having kind of IBD-esque symptoms. Um, so I did follow up with my doctor, and they did an ultrasound and said, oh, you're still adjusting to the IUD. Take these birth control pills and go home. Um, later that night, I was going to the bathroom, and it was like I had an audible pop and in just searing pain in my abdomen where like, I feel like I couldn't stand up straight. Um, And that was when my fallopian tube ruptured. Um, And that's when I started bleeding internally. And when that happens, your body's like trying to make space for all this blood that's filling you up. So you start vomiting and I was extremely uncomfortable. I was getting short of breath, but I, um, again, I I had been having these digestive problems and my, You know, partner had a history of Crohn's. And so we kind of talked ourselves into, well, that must be what it is because I had just been to the doctor, too. Um, So I ended up losing consciousness, and my uh, Rick found me and and had to revive me and took me to the ER in time for me to get emergency surgery. So it it was a pretty traumatic experience for me, but um, I had no idea really what I was experiencing.
0: That's insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. Um,
1: and what happened was uh, the egg had attached, doc- the surgeon told me afterwards that the egg had attached in my fallopian tube and the uterus is able to um, withstand that attachment, but the fallopian tube is not. And so it went through the fallopian tube and attached to my colon. And that was causing me to have colon spasms, which is where that IBD symptoms were coming from.
0: Wow. So the, it had attached to your colon.
1: Yeah, it had gone through the fallopian tube and attached to, to my colon. And that was, yeah, all those
0: digestive problems. Did, were you able to resolve the digestive problems after all of this?
1: Yeah, the surgery. Um, I had a wonderful uh, doctor who was able to take care of everything in there. And, and I didn't have any trouble after afterwards. Well,
0: that's good. I'm, I'm really glad that. That your partner could revive you and get you where you needed to go um so kind of as we're talking about like our change in status within the group in motherhood I don't know as I'm hearing you like share this story it kind of seems like that because some of your symptoms were kind of brushed aside does it seem like that kind of happened for you or was that not the case
1: Oh, I absolutely felt like my symptoms were brushed aside, and part of the problem also was that this all happened around New Year's Eve, and so I managed to get into the doctor's office like New Year's Eve. So I'm sure you know everyone's wanting to go home, and and I felt like I kind of got brushed off in the we're trying to get on with our holiday.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And it seems like I like I'm not quite sure if. I don't know. And and of course, I'm not really, I don't really know. It just seems like a uniquely like mother experience for this, this, you know, situation that had happened to you. And it seems like you just weren't treated the way you should have been, you know? <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And, you know, the other kind of cultural aspect that came into play, um, I'm here in in Southern Appalachian, the Bible Belt, is I was only engaged and not married. And there was a lot of kind of, um, I felt like inappropriate remarks about that. Mm. Uh, That sucks. Yeah, it does. So yeah, it was also the, you know, out of wedlock motherhood situation.
0: Which I feel like it's like seen as even worse. Yeah, you
1: know? yeah. I was, you know, told or it was suggested to me by acquaintances, not people I know very well, that that kind of was like, well, that's what you get.
0: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, not I a very because like, I feel like that attitude of well, that's what you get is even in motherhood as well, kind of like what you're saying doesn't matter and then you throw the like out of wedlock piece in and it seems even more extreme. Yes. Yes, like, absolutely. Like I remember after I had my son um I was like 6 or 7 weeks postpartum and my dad was in town. This is when I was living in California and he took us to the the bookstore at the school my husband was going to it was at stanford so like oh let's get some cool stuff no one's been to stanford in our family so so cool and so we take us to the bookstore and my husband's like i mean my dad is wants to buy me something and i'm just like i don't like the way any of this looks on me because i have this new body and like i look like i'm six months pregnant still but i'm not and i just and then i got that same kind of thing of like well that's what you get like that's just what happens and instead of like and it's definitely not the same thing as an ectopic pregnancy, of course. Definitely not the same thing. No, it's just that but, attitude of like, like, well, you're a mom now, so it just doesn't really matter.
1: Yes. Um, in motherhood, and I would argue that even before we're mother, our potential for motherhood often becomes like our identity to other people. And, um, and, and I totally understand what you're saying because it does – transfer across my motherhood experiences, you know, with my miscarriage, um, people were trying to make me feel better. You know, we, we don't do grief and uncomfortable well in American culture and people just want you to be happy again. Um, (laughs) and people were like, Hey, just a few days after, Hey, let's go out and eat. And I'm like, listen, I'm still bleeding. I don't really feel like leaving right now because every time I go to the bathroom, I am reminded I'm not pregnant and I cry. And there's just not an understanding, you know, um, from others in your life. I think motherhood feels very lonely.
0: Totally. And like, especially with miscarriage, because we think of birth, meaning that birth means that the baby, like lived and is healthy, but like, that's not always what happens, you know? and so with a miscarriage it's like you still have to deliver the baby somehow and that's a big deal yeah it really is and
1: i was i was not prepared at all and this is also i feel kind of a a miss in the healthcare cuz i was in constant communication with my ob office and like, Hey, I'm having these symptoms. Do you think everything's okay? Do I need to come in? And you know, they're not trying to scare me too. And they're like, well, let's just wait and see. Um, but I had no idea what to expect. You know, Mm -hmm. I just wish someone had said, Hey, this is what it feels like to have a miscarriage.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, when I was pregnant, no one ever was like, Hey, just in case let's talk about this. Yeah. Cause I think part of it is, I think you're right. They're trying not to scare you. But it's like, yeah, but what happens if you do have a miscarriage then? Like, I don't know what's going to happen then.
1: Yes. And that's why, you know, um, I feel like we as a society really just need to talk about it more, especially so that other women feel not so alone in motherhood in general, right? Not just miscarriages. That's why we're talking now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I mean... It's definitely, definitely. I mean, sharing our stories I think is really important. Obviously. You yeah, know, that's why we're on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit more about like um the experience during and after the miscarriage.
1: So um, you know, it's interesting. I I feel like my to motherhood and my intuition are very closely connected. And being pregnant and being a mother has somehow upped my intuition, I feel like. And the day of the miscarriage, I just knew something was wrong and not right. Um, I had been having back pain for like a week. And, but for some reason I woke up that day and I stayed home from work and I just, I just knew that that was, it was not going to be a good day. Um, and then I started having, you know, contractions basically. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. So it feels like bad period cramps for those of you who haven't, or who listening, who haven't had children or contractions. It's like really super bad period cramps, um, that would leave me breathless and in a lot of pain. And so I called my partner and told him to come home that I thought I was losing the baby. Um, and he left work right away and came with me. So that was good that I didn't have to go through that alone. Um, but afterwards I just felt, um, rejected. Like, like my body had rejected the baby, but I also felt rejected by life or rejected by the universe or whatever larger power is out there. um, That that miscarriage is like a bigger symbolism almost. Um, And there's just this, this emptiness that you feel like with any grief, but the problem is with a miscarriage, there's nothing left behind. So like when someone in your life dies, you can, you know, wear their sweatshirt or that piece of jewelry or, or cook that, recipe they loved but when you lose a baby um like that there there's nothing to like hold on to but you very much have felt that connection it very much feels like you have lost someone um you're grieving um mm. uh, anyway
0: and I think part of like I haven't had any miscarriages just the people I've spoken to and hearing your story it seems like part of what like like we're grieving this child that we felt connected to and that we loved and then we're also grieving like our own like motherhood if like oh, our own absolutely. experience too
1: Yes I lost my mother 10 years ago this December and my maternal grandmother um 5 years ago and I desperately wanted to grow my family and make those connections and be a mother myself. Um, I think to, you know, address that being motherless, <laughs> I'll be a mother then. Um, so absolutely.
0: And it's interesting. Cause it's like, it's also like all about, I don't know. There's just a lot of like, a lot of feelings with it from, from what I understand. Um, my, my sister-in-law wrote this really incredible essay about miscarriage that it's actually, she had us, or she allowed us, I guess, is uh, to repost it on the blog. So I'll link it in the show notes, but I had never, I wasn't even ready to have kids yet. And I read this essay and just bawled my eyes out because like a big part of it was her, like she knew that the baby that the fetus had had passed away but it was still inside her and so she was trying to decide like what to do and then she's like well what am i am i am i pregnant like and then she's like talking about the definition of the word pregnant she's like i don't think i'm pregnant but what am i and then she finally i think it's like a japanese word that she finds to finally explain it but it's like it just it's it's so like there's just it's so complicated it is so complicated
1: because it's not you know as you know it's not just a baby it's all of these hopes and dreams that you have as well it's mm-hmm. <laughs> future um your future your expectations of the future there's there's a lot more involved um even than just the connection that is very strong that
0: is there totally um is there anything else about miscarriage that you wish that other moms knew? I
1: I wish that someone had told me about the recovery period. I in my naivete thought that you had a miscarriage and then you were kind of like done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't understand that you that you know I bled for for a full week afterwards. And that was emotionally, I was not prepared for how emotionally difficult that would be because every time you go to the bathroom, you're just reminded you're not pregnant. Like you might be able to distract yourself by watching a movie or, you know, the things you do when you're aggrieved to get through. Mm -hmm. But then every time you go to the bathroom and you see that blood and you're like, "Oh man, that's right. I'm not pregnant anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I wish someone had told me that there was going to be a recovery period like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So um it's and it also sounded like part of your kind of motivation for having kids was connected to like being a mother yourself after having your mom pass away. Is that accurate?
1: Absolutely. I, and I really wanted a daughter, um, and I got two, <laughs> back to back. Um, but I really, to me, that mother-daughter connection was um, especially important, um, obviously, because it's the one that I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, my myself, my mother, and my grandmother were all the oldest daughters of oldest daughters. And so I thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool <laughs> if I could carry on that tradition? Um, but I desperately wanted to be a a mother myself. I felt ready for that title, for that next stage of life, for that identity transition, even though I did not fully understand what that meant.
0: Yeah. Tell me about like the title. Like what, what did the title mother mean to you? Like, what was your perception of that?
1: My idea of mother you know there there's a lot of cultural stuff attached to that right mm-hmm. so we tend to think of mother as like this warm nurturing patient unconditionally loving self sacrificing kind of person um, but what I was, that, that wasn't necessarily completely what I had in mind though with motherhood, but that was an idea of what I thought motherhood was. Um, but I really wanted to have, um, that extremely intimate personal relationship with a child, um, because I think we all, no matter how good our childhood is, we all reflect back on it and want to do things a little differently. Mm -hmm. And I I love my mother. And I think that she did an amazing job as a parent given her situations in life, but there are still things that I want to do very differently in my relationship with my children. And so it's almost like, it's like I'm going to get it right this time. If Mm -hmm. that makes sense.
0: Totally, I, I, think I have the
1: power to make this relationship what it should be now.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, really normal for us to like revisit that and hope to like improve the the mother child relationship. Um. So tell me about in between, like your miscarriage and then your pregnancy with your oldest daughter, like, what was that like, that in-between period?
1: It felt like, so I wanted, you know, to wait a couple of months just to make sure that everything was okay before we tried again. And I'm not a patient person (laughs) in general. And it just felt like waiting, anxiously anticipating, something you know the start of school a new school that you've never been to before right so there's this um but then there's also a grief accompanied with it for the loss that you just experienced Mm -hmm. and there's this hesitancy emotionally I definitely felt worried about getting as emotionally involved as quickly um, which I did anyway. I don't know that you can help it to some extent, um, or at least I couldn't. But um, I definitely felt like, oh no, I can't get hurt again. I've got to be more cautious about my emotional connection this time around.
0: Yeah, I think that totally makes sense. I mean, I mean, the closest thing I can the the closest thing that I can say to the, that relates to that is like, I mean, I. I was in a pretty good situation because the first time we tried to get pregnant, like I didn't get pregnant the first time and then we got pregnant the second time. So it was like, not, I know a lot of people struggle with infertility and and I'm pretty lucky in that sense. It was just like that first time taking a negative pregnancy test. That sucks so bad. And like, especially cause you're like waiting for it and waiting for it. And I was like, fine. I just like, I can't get so attached to this and I just have to not, like, think about it and not get excited. And, I mean, you try really hard and it, I mean, it doesn't always work, just it's like so you hard. said. You know?
1: It's like waiting for Christmas and opening an empty box. It's yes. so, it's so hard.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. So um, tell me a little bit about your, your pregnancy with your oldest.
1: So, you know, um, kind of talking about the miscarriage real quick. With the first pregnancy, I was obsessed with doing things by the book, absolutely right. I was going to eat all the right things, do all the right things. I was obsessively reading articles. um, And I still lost that baby. So when I got pregnant with Nancy, I like had this realization that to some extent, it's outside of my control. Mm -hmm. And I was I had a sense of peace that I did not expect to have um, because I kind of had this realization. um, I heard the song, uh, "K sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. And that really, for some reason, resonated with me and made me feel at peace, like I I can do all the right things and things can still go wrong (laughs) and not work out. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to stress so much this time around about some of those things. Um, so that was a, a good change. Um, I was miserably pregnant with my first and second the entire time. There were only a handful of days where I did not throw up. I was sick the entire time. I got that SPD since, since pubis dysfunction. I was in so much pain walking up and downstairs, getting dressed, getting in and out of the car, anything like that. Mm -hmm. I, some women are really sturdy, I guess, for lack of a better word, like they can power through some pregnancies impressively. So Mm -hmm. I, I guess I have a more sensitive constitution and I, (laughs) I do not, um, not so sturdy when it comes to pregnancy. Um, but all in all, um, it was. A pretty hat. Other than being sick all the time, I was pretty happy to be pregnant. Obviously, mm-hmm. I was thrilled. Um, and my water broke at three a.m., and um, I had her by um, seven p.m. that night. Following night. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, and I did twelve hours of of natural labor to only be two centimeters dilated. <laughs> And I thought, okay. (laughs) Um, So I did end up getting an epidural and, um, and she came very quickly soon after that.
0: Yeah. I was the same that I think, I I don't know. I'm sure all of the birth workers out there can correct me. I just feel like my body needed to rest, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. After um,
1: Nancy, I was like in a state of euphoria. I was like the opposite of the baby blues. Mm -hmm. Um, I did, I definitely did cry, but it was mostly because I was so worried she was going to die in her sleep Mm -hmm. or, you know, some of those other intrusive new mom thoughts. Right. Um, but usually I was just like on cloud nine. Um, but I did not have that same experience with Diana. I had Mm -hmm. more struggles after having her.
0: Yeah. Um, I I remember you have told me, um, that you had thought before, like, like, why isn't anyone paying attention to me? Was that mostly like, I don't know if that was the right words of like, um, um, was that after, um, after which pregnancy, like after, like which postpartum?
1: After Diana, I was so enamored with Nancy that I didn't mind my aches and pains and, and physical distress and sleeplessness mm-hmm. as much. Um, but, you know, I got pregnant again um, soon afterwards. So Nancy was almost 17 months when Diana was born. And I was just exhausted. I was already a tired mom. <laughs>
0: yeah, totally. I mean, t- yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, I was already tired and then trying to um, figure out, you know, the two under two was um, very difficult, and I felt, um, you know, especially I think not having my mother or maternal grandmother who who grew up in the house with me that I was very close with, with me, I just felt like who was looking out for me? I, I think anyone, right? When we don't feel good, we want our mom. Or we want that person who makes us feel safe, secure, and cared for. And I felt like I needed someone to mother the mother after having my second baby. I just wanted somebody to put me as the priority. Mm -hmm. um, Because I felt like I was last on the list and I was struggling.
0: Totally. And I I think... That is so common of being like, why don't I matter anymore? And I mean, you saw that, um, like, like we had talked about with ectopic pregnancy and like, of course we matter. It's just that, like, it's that whole concept of like our status changing. And for me, I think the best way to describe it is like, you just feel like you're not the main character of your own life anymore. At least that's the way I have, I've felt. And I've seen other moms that have felt like that too
1: yes, suddenly somebody else has picked up the pen and is now writing your life story and you don't always like it.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. So how do we take that pen back? I'll let you know when I figure it out. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Have you done anything that makes you feel a little bit more um, like you're writing your own story?
1: Absolutely. So for me the things in my life that I, you know, everybody's going to have different things that work for them that make them feel like you, right? Like the, the you at your core. And for me, I have always been a physically active person and I've been doing Wing Chun Kung Fu and teaching women's self-defense for a while. Um, I started learning Kung Fu in 2012 and, even in the pandemic, I've been able to take some virtual classes online, um, and get some really cool learning opportunities actually that I didn't have previously, but to have that in my regular scheduled life, especially now when, you know, a lot of us are staying home and it's harder to, to get out and do things. Um, but to have that regular schedule of, of, time where I get to dedicate myself to doing something that I enjoy to do. And then also for me, having that physical outlet for maybe some pent up energy or just moving my body in a different way. That's not mom oriented, not picking up babies and changing diapers. Um, And then also what is extremely important for me is a a daily meditation or contemplative practice. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it's really hard as a mom, right, to get five minutes to yourself. Um, I call the bathroom my sanctuary because sometimes my shower is the only time that I have to myself during the day. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can still take that five minutes in the shower to take a couple of deep, intentional breaths, you know, try to clear... You know, it, there's a lot of hype around meditation about, like, clearing your mind. So I don't want to say that necessarily. But um, just being alone with yourself and your thoughts, not watching Netflix or listening to a podcast like this one, which is wonderful. But taking a few moments of, of quiet time with, with yourself um, has been life-changing for me. And I often have to wake up at a ridiculous hour before my kids wake up to get that in.
0: Yeah, I find that... Like being still with just yourself is pretty important, especially like with all these other things that change during matrescence, like where you don't really even know who you are anymore. And um, like you were saying, like you feel like maybe you're not writing your own story or you're not the main character or something like that. Like um, and I think sometimes it can be a little it takes some courage to do that. Because sometimes maybe you're a little nervous about meeting yourself. Because what if you don't like it? And I think sometimes we, me and I've heard like as I've seen other other mothers as well. I think um, it definitely it takes some courage to do that.
1: Absolutely. To me, it is one of the hardest things that I also do because to truly look yourself in the mirror, it's it's not always a flattering reflection. Um, and that's a hard thing to face, um, especially if you're like me, who's somebody who's maybe a little overly self-critical. Um, but also that quiet time, I kind of realized that about myself. I'm like, okay, I'm being a little too hard on myself here. I have unrealistic expectations for myself here. Um, my, I want to share something if I can with what my therapist said that has really been helpful for me. Um, in terms of unmet expectations, because that has really been my hardest experience as a mother in general, is just all of these unmet expectations, um, that expectations are demands and intentions are goals. Goals are flexible, demands are not. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to reorient my thinking to, to have intentions instead of expectations.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um. As we're like directing that at ourselves as well, like being a little more gentle with ourselves.
1: Absolutely. Um, and it's so hard in this, you know, social media, everything is in front of our faces all the time. And, you know, we don't know what motherhood's like, so we start looking for it. And where do we look? We're going to look on Instagram. We're going to look on Facebook. And we often, I think, see unrealistic pictures of what motherhood is
0: totally I mean like I remember I think a year ago I like searched the hashtag real motherhood and I was like the ones that came up were there was one actual real one and the all all the other ones were staged pictures (laughs) I was like no wonder it can be hard to like be realistic about motherhood because like I'm literally just looking up real motherhood and it's not real, you know?
1: I think it comes, you know, all the way back to what does our society say a woman has to be?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And we're allowed to be mothers, but we also are supposed to still look like you want to have more babies with us.
0: Mm.
1: And that's just not realistic. And it's not a loving conception or understanding of being a mom or being a woman.
0: And I think there's this aspect of motherhood that is almost like hidden. um, Sometimes from ourselves, because it can just be kind of confusing to be in the middle of it. And then also like our perception of just motherhood in general of, um, not quite seeing all of it.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, I definitely hid a lot of my struggles, um, because to struggle in, in some ways feels like to fail and Mm -hmm. that's not the case, but it does feel that way. I think with motherhood a lot. Um, and, you know, I wasn't, that's part of why I agreed to do the podcast because I feel like there's so much that I want to share with other mothers or people who are considering motherhood um, that I just didn't know about.
0: Yeah. Um, And I remember you saying something once of like having, um, like having your friends invite you, your friends without kids invite you places last minute and like feeling like you weren't being seen, like, yes, it wasn't necessarily their fault. It's just like difficult though.
1: It's a different reality, um, to live in when you, when you're a parent Mm -hmm. and I, you know, Diana, I was maybe six weeks old. I had a pretty bad tear with her. I was still in some discomfort. Um, and So I was a little self-conscious too, because I've been doing yoga for a few years. So my friends are inviting me to yoga and I'm like, okay, I still look pregnant. I'm in pain. I'm not going to be able to do all these really fun poses that I know that they're going to be doing because I've done yoga with them before. Um, So I knew it wasn't going to be catered to my needs, one. (laughs) And then two, it was like, hey, can you meet us in half an hour? I I have two kids under two. I have a six-week-old breastfed baby who I am feeding on demand. You know, (laughs) like I I haven't given this baby a bottle yet at this point. And I just felt completely invisible. Like they knew nothing of my struggles. They knew nothing of my day-to-day life or reality. And I just felt um, very lonely.
0: Mm -hmm. And in that situation, did it kind of feel like that status within the group had changed?
1: Yes. I I think in any social, social situation, um, it's about relevance in some way. Like you miss out on the inside joke if you're not there, right? Mm -hmm. If you stop showing up to the friend gatherings, eventually you stop getting invited. Um, so I definitely felt this, this huge disconnect because I was no longer able to be relevant relevant in my social group totally
0: yeah totally and Um, then
1: also you feel like as a mom what do i have to talk about except for my baby's bowel movements and how little sleep i've had
0: right because that's that's what's going on in your life and honestly those are pretty important things you know it's okay to talk about them but if no one else understands it seems weird
1: Yes, and then people, um, especially maybe some older women in the community who've had a few years between them and, and having children, almost make you feel ashamed for speaking about some of the struggles.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: <laughs> Don't complain. It goes by so fast. It's like, well, I, I love them. It's still hard.
0: Yeah, it's. I saw this really funny TikTok where this mom was like, I'm so tired. And then she pretended to be someone else and they were like, you need to cherish this time with your children. It doesn't last very long. And she's like, I said I was tired, not that I don't love my kids. I'm allowed to feel things. I was like, so true. It is so true. Well, are there any other thoughts you have on how during matrescence we experience a change in status in the group? as mothers? Yes, I
1: have felt, of course, you know, these are all kind of like feeling social situations. No one has ever said this to me outright, but it feels like um, my opinions on things are less pertinent now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that kind of surprised me because I'm still the same person. Being a mother didn't make me. Dumb! I didn't have a lobotomy. You know why? Why are you treating me like I'm I, ignorant now? You know, I felt like there's a dumbing down almost of how we treat mothers. I've I've experienced at least that's been surprising to me.
0: Yeah, I I can totally see that definitely. And of course, everyone's an expert who doesn't have kids,
1: and so. <laughs> It's
0: the worst. Just do this. I don't understand what's so hard about it. <laughs> I could go on and on about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like I remember one time I had – my son was like six months old, maybe a little bit less than that, and I had quit my job that I was working from home, and my husband had just gotten his first job out of grad school, and we had just – moved and we were hanging out with some of his work friends and they were young like they had just gotten out of school like out of their bachelor's degree and um they were like so what do you do and i was like oh i'm a stay-at-home mom and one of them was like oh yeah i would love to just relax all day and not have to do anything that sounds awesome and i was like i don't do that i'm on call 24 7 you only work eight hours a day and he, he was just this young kid that just didn't know what he was talking about.
1: <laughs> no, it, it is like being on call because even when you're sleeping, you're not really sleeping, right? You've got one ear away.
0: Plus if you're breastfeeding at the time. You're exhausted. And then if you're, if you're doing formula, you're spending all this time washing bottles. So it's like also difficult.
1: There is no easy motherhood. Anyone who says it's easy has a lot of help. Or they're lying,
0: yeah, or they're trying to get something from you,
1: <laughs> get you to buy something exactly. It's not easy, yeah. And I wish someone had just said that to me, but I think there's also, you know, if I remember being pre pre, you know, pre baby in my pregnancy, this like resistance to hearing anything negative mm-hmm. about being a mom
0: totally. I mean. I've met some people and they're like, oh my gosh, like I'm thinking about getting pregnant the next year. I might do yoga with here now motherhood. And I was like, okay, cool. Like that's what we do. Also, we're here for that part of motherhood that you don't like, and there's going to be parts that you really hate and it's okay. And like their faces just like looked horrified. And then they like walked, like they walked away and didn't finish talking to me. <laughs> I was like, and it, like, I, I can see that, like not wanting to talk about those like unfavorable parts of motherhood. And like, I remember seeing a therapist, always was a psychiatrist, um, when my son was really, really little. And he was like, you don't have to like all these parts, like every part of motherhood in order to be a good mom. And I was like, wait, what? I thought I had to like all of it to be a good mom.
1: That's so important.
0: Yeah. I should get that tattooed on my forehead. (laughs) (laughs) Because
1: if you think about any other job, even if it's your dream job, there's some aspect you don't like about
0: it. Right. Totally. Well, do you have any last words that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Yes. Um, I talked about my friends who invited me and I felt unseen. The friend in the group that I'm closest to, uh, about a week later, she did call me and I wrote down and, and told her how I was feeling, what I was experiencing. She had no idea and came quickly over to spend time with me. Mm-hmm. So I do think that, you know, those solid friendships that you have. You can count on those people. You just need to tell them what you need. It's so hard for me to do. I want to be super self-reliant and not need help or ask anything from anybody. It's very hard for me to ask for help. But especially people who don't have kids, they literally do not know. You have to ask. And if they love you, they'll show up for you.
0: I love that you were, that you told her what was going on and that she like responded to that. I think that's so awesome.
1: Absolutely. We need those that family, right? Our friends who are family in our life.
0: I love that. And I think that's a good reminder for everybody to like, try to be brave and let people know what's going on and what you need.
1: Being vulnerable is incredibly brave and difficult to do. It really is.
0: But ask for help. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, Well, thank you so much for joining us and um, telling us your story. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed
1: talking with you.
0: Until next time, this has been the Here and Now Motherhood Podcast.